Oh, so you thought. Welcome back, Wrestling Geeks, to another world premiere episode coming to you straight out of From Under the Apron. Wrestling Geeks, junkies, nerds, fans, I think it's time for me to point at the WrestleMania sign again. We did it. We hit that 2,000 downloads, celebrating on Twitter and all the other socials. We have arrived to the 2,000 mark, and we hit that goal that I thought we would hit by January. So, we're two months early. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate for a while before I start doing another pointing at the sign. Look forward for that 3,000 mark when we get there. When we, we're going to get there, okay? We're going to get there. I want to say thank you to a few people for supporting the show. All the guests that have been on the show, Nick from the Masterpiece Shit Piece Theater, Jose from the Beverly Challenge Podcast, both from the Nerd Violent Network family I'm in that brought me in back in the beginning of the year. Y'all are fucking awesome. Y'all are amazing. I fucking love the hell out of you guys. Y'all are my brothers. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Christine's.TikTok and Sarah Sweets, who are Joe, my friends, Dale the Wrestling Nerd, my friend, Kashina Booker, who came onto the show and helped us out when we really needed it. Y'all are awesome. Um, really adore you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for helping out. Thank you for supporting. Thank you. We're clapping it up, right, guys? Let's go. Most importantly, most importantly... Michael, my co-host, who will be back soon. He's coming back, y'all. Everyone that's currently supporting the podcast, the VIPs, the over-the-guardrail friends, y'all are amazing. Thank you. Mm, big hugs. Big freaking shout-outs to you guys. Um, y'all know who you are. Y'all are the best. Y'all yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> y'all are awesome. I'm also going to shout out my podcast colleagues, my besties, my all-around fucking beautiful people. Let's go, because they're awesome, and also I want to shout them out. Um, they're freaking besties, dude. I got to uh, Mama Murder the Podcast. Freaking hell yeah. Uh, bring Your Own Popcorn, Nerd Frick, Strangers, Opinionated Lushes, All Queens, All the Kings. Always oh, a fun time listening to them. The Moz Pod, two awesome kings. Let's go. Attitude Era Wrestling Review, which I've been a part of and will be in more episodes with them soon. Um, awesome as hell. I should post a clip of me being on their show on here. I will soon. Shout out to Holidays After Dark Podcast, Nikki the Diva. Y'all are some awesome people. Let's go. Always on Twitter, fucking liking my stuff. Liking the fucking... Okay, I, I'm cussing. I apologize. Hey, it's a freaking... It's a day for me, alright? I'm I'm excited. <laughs> uh, the Mallard Report, Blood and Black Rum Podcast, who are always, always, always retweeting my podcast whenever I drop an episode. They're freaking amazing. Check those podcasts out. I'll have a link to their podcast on the show notes, as well as 
Nikki the Divas Twitch stream um, link to that on my show notes. Huge shout out to everyone listening to me on the Good Pods and giving us those five star reviews. Huge shout out to whoever's still listening. Let's go. 2000 uh, download episode 67. Um, next goal is episode 100. We're going to make it to 100 episodes by next year. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. How many more? There's three months left. Two months left now. Oh, uh, we'll get there. Come on. We got this. Um, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Let's freaking go. You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, AB. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We'll be taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the down right ugliest sides of society. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, you can rate me on Spotify. You can also leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at murdered underscore mama. All of these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast. If you have any case suggestions, please send them my way. You can send them to the email address podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I haven't introduced myself <laughs> i am your host ernie happy first day of november everybody happy dia de los muertos two more months in the year we're we calling today we're still calling today right one month november december second month yeah two more months in the year 2023 isn't too far away which means that i would have been doing this podcast for about a year now so you definitely know i'm going to be doing a Big ass thing for our one year anniversary. I just got another awesome freaking news. My brother and his wife just had a baby. They had a baby yesterday on Halloween. They have a Halloween freaking baby. That's awesome. He just texted me the news. I'm gonna. Y'all heard that? Y'all heard that? I'm celebrating with Zoa Energy. Let's freaking go. haven't drank this in a while, haven't brought it up in a while, um, Zora, Zoa, energy drink, and if Michael was here, of course, he'd have me read the back. My fellow everyday warriors, Zoa is about healthy, positive energy that helps us all focus, be productive, and get stronger together. Mana, gratitude, Zoa, Dwayne Johnson, brother, little bro, this Zoa is for you, it's the orange one. Uh, cheers to the baby. Cheers to the fam. Love you guys. Y'all are awesome. Let's start this episode off with some news. It's been a long time coming. So here is the news. One, two, 
That's right, just when you thought you were safe because the creepy old man left, here comes a new team of people to tell you that your 90 days of either improving or getting released are up. On the chopping block are only five names. As more names get released, I will have them assuming enough. The names are Erica Yan, Damaris Griffin, Rufang, Sloan Jacobs, and finally on this list, poor old Bodai Hedward. If you're watching NXT right now and you're wondering where's the flag bearer of Chase University, well, you're now listening to this episode and you're, hey, <clears throat> he got released. Um, on the other hand, if you're not watching, I bet you're all wondering who these people are. And much like the people who just released the news on Twitter and then posting something like, I don't know who these people are. I'm so glad they got released or something or other to that nature. I took the time to check who these people were. I retweeted the freaking news thing. And in that retweet, I mentioned who they were, how long they've been there, and all that shit. Whether you want to read it or, you know. Scroll past it is up to you. But there's the research. It wasn't that hard to do. Freaking Google it. Looked it up. You know. <laughs> oh. Who? 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 Come on. Really? Don't. No. And then there's the other half of people that are saying like. T Tony Khan's about to have a fucking aneurysm. He's going to sign all these people. Yeah, whatever. Fucking who cares. <laughs> People need jobs, man. Like, if Tony Khan wants to hire these people and give them jobs, go for it. Go for it. Um, also, on the other hand, is the podcast platform. But, you know, let's talk about these wrestlers. Buddy, who you all have seen as the biggest cheerleader on the NXT brand with Andrew Chase and Chase University. I had a feeling as soon as I watched Duke Hudson join the team and Bodai was making weird facial expressions to the days were numbered. <laughs> I knew it. I said, damn, this dude is leaving. And then I see a clip of NXT earlier before I started this episode. Uh, Duke Hudson wearing the Change University colors and running into the ring to help Andrew Chase. Uh, Y'all were quick enough to replace him. Wow. All right, next up. Sloane Jacobs, the 19-year-old who wrestled as the notorious Mimi on the Independence, who seemed like she needed to improve based on her NXT breakout tournament against Fallon Henley, which she lost. But she is more recognized as the second victim to lose to the breakout star that was Nikita Lyons. <laughs> I bet y'all remember that match, and not Sloane's match against Fallon. Yeah, we all remember that Nikita Lyons match. Unfortunately, she was more on NXT Level Up episodes, which was exclusively on Peacock, or, like me, looked it up on YouTube, and there it is. Erica Yen, Damaris Griffin, and Rufang, all who debuted last year or earlier this year, have been in the company for less than a year, or this year, and were relegated to Level Up, 
and I did find a photo of Rufang in a 205 Live ring banner in the background. So it shows where he's been or how long he's been there. And, you know, just five names were announced. I'm pretty sure there will be more soon enough. And I will have those names here when it being announced. The XFL is officially back. It was announced yesterday on Twitter via boardroom.tv. All eight XFL teams, logos, and what they represent have been revealed. Danny Garcia, chairwoman and owner, has said in an official statement, Each team's identity represents the fabric of their local community, while also embodying the XFL's vision and ethos. They are authentic, dynamic, modern, and unapologetically bold. We can't wait to see our XFL fans representing their favorite XFL teams this upcoming season. We've spoken about the XFL on this show back on April, on episode 23, when we broke the news. Dwayne Johnson appointed his career partner, Danny Garcia, as the owner of the XFL. Uh, Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Gary Cardinal's Redbird Capital purchased the XFL back in 2020 for $50 million. Wow! And have since been working toward getting the league off the ground. The league has struck many partnerships with the NFL, the Indoor Football League, and Under the Lights Flag Football. To go along with this, the XFL has hired tons of personnel to fill its executive team, coaching vacancies, and several other key positions. From the start, Danny, Gary, and I have wanted to deliver our fans nothing but the best, and it's motivating to see our creative vision come to life, Johnson said on the occasion. Every one of these logos has a unique energy, intensity, and electricity that each team and their fans would bring on game day. Now is the time for our fans to get behind a team, their team, and wear these logos and represent their city with pride. Yes, yes, yes. This is getting serious. <laughs> the YouTube channel posted a trailer with Danny's voice. And here's the clip. Football demands that you show up for your city, for yourself, but most of all, for your team. Every single fan, player, and community, all in. The XFL is built on new fields of opportunity with more passion and more possibilities, and even more at stake. We welcome anyone with a dream, with the drive to make them real. It's time to rise up. You know what the XFL stands for. Now which team will you stand behind? Arlington Renegades, DC Defenders, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, San Antonio Brahmas, Seattle Sea Dragons, St. Louis Battlehawks, Vegas Vipers. Together, we are pushing football forward. Together, we are tomorrow's league. Welcome to the XFL. You heard the teams, the new teams. I don't even recognize any of the teams. I wasn't a fan of the revival. Revive. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the revival. I was a fan of the first time they did it back in 2001, and then I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> uh, when Vince McMahon brought it back, and I thought it would definitely die quick, and then the pandemic happened, it died a terrible death just as quick. Boardroom.tv also did a deep dive on these teams. 
Arlington Renegades have been rebranded as Arlington from Dallas. They have a hype card. They all do. They all have this freaking stats hype card. Uh, for the Arlington Renegades, it is in the Lone Star State on off the gridiron. Arlington does it uh, their own way. Trailblazers with modern Texas swagger. There's no stopping the Renegades where fearlessness goes full throttle. Next up, DC Defenders, rebranded as DC from Washington. Coming out of the nation's capital, the DC Defenders protect their city with unparalleled purpose and drive. Impenetrable, bold, and brave, the Defenders defend the DMV with pride. Next up, Orlando Guardians, who moved from New York to Orlando. Somewhere between Paradise and Port Canavero, the Guardians lay in wait. Agile and all-seeing, however relentless and unforgiving, the Guardians are ready to pounce and stand guard against anyone who dares challenge them. Uh, the Vegas Vipers moved from Tampa Bay, born out of the harshest environments on Earth. Much like the native venomous pit vipers in the Mojave, the Vegas Vipers rise from the desolate Nevada desert to make their presence known. No luck involved here. The Vegas Vipers are all bite and ready to strike with their ruthless attack. Wow. Two teams remain the same. The Houston Roughnecks, built on hard work and determination. The Roughnecks bear loads that would break others. In Houston, the Roughnecks don't wait for success. They drill for it fearlessly and with grit. Because you have to have grit. Grit. <laughs> The St. Louis Battlehawks, a team with a storied history in a city proud of its heritage. The Battlehawks' tenacity and terror soar above the rest. In the center of it all, the Battlehawks patrol the skies, ready to swoop down and prove once again the Ka is law. Alright guys, the Ka. Ka is law. We need a, we need a Ka audio soundbite here. The is law. And finally, there are two new teams. The San Antonio Brahmas. Guess who chose that name? <laughs> Guess who chose that name? If you're a wrestling fan, you know. The San Antonio Brahmas, where resilience meets rage, always standing their ground like the Brahma Bull. Wow. The San Antonio Brahmas cannot be tamed. Horns forward, San Antonio, the Brahmas back down from no one. Horns forward, you know what that means. Too sweet all around. They're going to be doing the freaking Turkish Mafia symbol. <laughs> Alright, whatever. And then the Seattle Sea Dragons. Representing the Emerald City with the same ferocity as the rough Seattle Seas. The Seattle Sea Dragons come to the field with a powerful wave of force behind them. Beware, this is where the calm meets the storm. The league will kick off on February 18th, 2023. Six days after the NFL season concludes in Glendale, Arizona at Super Bowl 52. The XFL will air on ESPN as part of an exclusive broadcasting agreement. I can't wait. I'm excited for this. I really am. I'm hyped. I 
I really, I'm hyped for someone else's football season to start. Cool. February 18th, I'm still there. Uh, here's the question. Who's going to be your team? Um, who's my team, actually? <laughs> I can't think of anybody. Dallas, uh, D.C., Orlando, Vegas, Vipers, Tampa Bay, Houston Roughnecks, St. Louis, Battlehawks. I'm near St. Louis. Let's go. St. Louis, Battlehawks. Plus, um, the car <laughs> um, is... Like the wings of a hawk with a sword in the middle instead of the body. That's what the logo is. And oh my god. You guys gotta look at all these logos that they put them up for. It's freaking hilarious. The Arlington Renegades, it just looks like a, the letter R. It looks different. Defender is just the letter D. The Houston Roughnecks is like an oil drill. Uh, the Orlando Guardians, it looks like a Jaguar. Yeah. The Brahmas, the San Antonio, San Antonio Brahmas, is of course the logo of what looks like a bull. The Seattle Sea Dragons, guess what they are? It's a sea dragon. The Battlehawks is the the wings of the hawk with the sword in the middle. And the Vegas Vipers is just what looks like the Viper opening up its mouth. Y'all got to check these logos out. But I'm definitely rooting for the Seahawks. The Battlehawks. I'm sorry, Seahawks. The Battlehawks. The Ka. I'm part of the Ka Nation. <laughs> we're, we're starting that up. We're going to start the Ka Nation. <laughs> Oh shit. Um hit that audio again. It's the La Movies and Feelings. Pop Pop. Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring your own popcorn. Hey guys, this is Ernie. We're gonna get to the next segment in a few, but let me tell you about Dark Fate Creations, okay? Dark Fate Creations would like to invite you to a new and unique experience in candles and wax melts. They hand pour and create every single product using quality, clean, and safe ingredients. Their candles are fueled with romantic wooden wicks and made with a coconut soy blend of waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn. The designs are unique and beautiful, but more importantly, they smell absolutely amazing. And the variety of fragrances have something for everyone. Hand poured in Grass Valley, California. Check them out at darkfakecreations.com. Link of the site in the show notes below.
So, taking a break from doing the wrestlers and horror movies review and answering a request from, and I hope I'm not butchering the last name, and if I am, I apologize, Nick Opaluski. He messaged me just the other day and asked if I could review a show from WF Superstars from October 23, 1993. I didn't even hesitate. I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> Tell me where. Tell, of course, Peacock. Uh, went right to it and watched it, but before I did, what do I remember from October 1993? Let's see, that was the year of WrestleMania 9. Yokozuna is now a two-time WF World Champion. Hulk Hogan came and went. Bret Hart just won the King of the Ring in June and is in a huge feud with Jerry the King Lawler. The Lexus Press happened. <laughs> oh, the Lexus Press. And, of course, the New Generation era is coming up. For those that don't know, WWF Superstars of Wrestling later shortened to WWF Superstars and Sunday Morning Superstars, also referred to as Maple Leaf Wrestling in Canada, is an American professional wrestling television program that was produced by the World Wrestling Federation, now WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. It debuted on September 6, 1986 as the flagship program after the WWF syndicated programming. In January of 2019, select episodes of WWF Superstars, starting from April 92, became available for streaming on the WWE Network. As of this broadcast, there are 202 episodes of Superstars available for streaming on WWE Network, dating from April 18, 1992 to March 16, 1996. Uh, what I can remember about the show... I used to videotape the shows, watch them later, but soon I realized I'd rather record the matches than the shows, so I had at least 100 matches on a videotape from 92 to 94. I would take them to school and let my friends watch them. So, let's get right to the show. Again, this is October 23, 1993. It aired on Saturday mornings on the West Coast, and that's when I used to watch them. Commentators were Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler, who was replacing Macho Man Randy Savage, who got injured on Monday Night Raw that week. As soon as I saw Lawler's show and mentioned Randy Savage, I knew which moment it was because I watched it and I remember to this day that feud. We have to go back to that year on July 4th. The USS Intrepid Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge, which was won by Lex Luger, who went from the narcissist storyline to the American-made <laughs> Lexus Press American Tour all the way to SummerSlam and lost. I've had it. <laughs> I digress. I'm sorry. So anyway, Crush, the wrestler, was one of the participants trying to do the Body Slam Challenge. He hurt his back actually trying to lift Yokozuna when he wasn't supposed to actually try. Yokozuna, at the time, 500 pounds, uh, Japanese gimmick wrestler. Really, he's part of the bloodline, the um, Anaoya family, the Rocks family, uh, Roman Reigns family. So they gave him that gimmick. He loved it, didn't care. Cool. Um, what's so fucking fun about that is that Yokozuna uh, hung out with his family. Either way, the Head Shrinkers. And they tag team and everything. Uh, a week later, he's in a match against Yokozuna on Monday Night Raw. In the losing end, 
Crush is. He gets Bonsai dropped by Yoko about four times before Macho Man Randy Savage, supposed to be his best friend, who was doing commentary, uh, runs in the ring to get Crush out with the help of Tatanka. Uh, Randy Savage is not supposed to get involved, either, but that's his best friend. So he had to go in there, get him out. Meanwhile, Vince McMahon's on commentary. You're not supposed to be in. It's in your contract. No. Damn it. Yeah. All that shit. Well, you know, at least a few jobbers came out to help. And then the Tonka came out to help. But, you know, at the end, Randy Savage got him out. It is revealed a week later on Raw that Crush suffered broken ribs. Kayfabe. But he was actually out because of the back injury. By September, he was calling into Raw and giving everyone updates and purposely ignoring Randy's requestions, who was checking in on him through the phone. Crush came back on October 18th. Brian the Brain Heenan was in the ring with a microphone interviewing Crush, and everyone thought the friendship was okay, except for the fact that Crush came out with Mr. Fuji, the manager of Yokozuna. Yes, the guy that put Crush out of action. You know, the guy, yeah, whatever. This is a clip of what was said in that interview, that promo. Here it is. Of people like yourself, Bobby, and not Mr. Fuji, but Master Fuji, they made me see the light. Shut up out there, Randy. Randy, when you told me to get in the ring with Yokozuna, that's right, you told me to step into the ring with Yokozuna, you said you would have my back, you knew I wasn't 100%, you knew my back was bothering me from the body slam thing I did at the entrapment, but you told me not to worry, Crush, I got your back, brother, I'll be right there, just in case there's any outside interference, well, there was outside interference, and where were you? You were sitting six feet away from the ring on your butt watching me get bonsai splash not one time, not twice, not three times, but four times from a 550-pound Yokozuna. And then you suddenly took it upon yourself to pull me out. Yeah, some friend you were. Why didn't he pull you out after the first one or maybe even the second? There's no excuse for him to let you lay there. Your career could have, your whole existence could have been over with one more of those. A normal man couldn't have taken what you did. Any normal man would have been completely destroyed, Bobby Heenan. There's only one answer. He wanted me out of the WWF. In fact, he saw me to the plane back on the corner of Hawaii. Yeah, you saw me off. And you called me twice, not to see how good I was doing, but to see how bad I was doing. Yeah, brah, I saw the light when I was sitting back at Kahalu Beach recuperating. One person made perfect sense to me, and that was none other than Master Fuji. The man, the man who owns the hotel in my own backyard, his ancestors on the Keho Beach Hotel, Coral Lagoon Hotel, not to mention hundreds and hundreds of us. His word is like gold. He makes all the sense in the world. I'll tell you what, I'm through talking. I just came out here to give you one last warning, macho man. Stay out of my life. Stay out of my business. But most importantly of all, you better stay out of my way. Oh, uh, here we go now. Now, 
Savage? Wait a minute now. Randy oh, Savage. Brother, you're making a big mistake. I've made a million mistakes in my lifetime, and I admit it. But you're making a big mistake right now. You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Still late now, bro. But look me in the eye, brother. Look me in the eye. You're making a mistake. This guy is an agitator. This guy is a parasite. They're nothing but garbage. I'm telling you something, Russ. We're friends, brother. This can be okay. You're out of line right now. Just think about something right now, brother. We can go away from these two goofs, and we can pound it out, we can talk about it, we can agree to disagree, brother. We can make it happen. But you gotta give me a chance to talk to you. If I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But you need to back up just a touch, brother, because you're out of line and it's the wrong thing, brother. Man to man, I'm telling you. Man to man, I'm telling you. Just shake my hand right now. And we'll go someplace, brother, right now. And we'll talk it out. And it'll be okay. They don't care about me. These people are okay. It's too late, bro. These people are cool. Each one of these people and all over the world have made mistakes. And you're making one right now. Shake my hand. Rush, don't do it. My advice to you right now is, that's the oldest trick in the book. What you don't see is Crush pushing Heenan out of the way and hesitates to shake Macho Man's hand. It takes a few minutes, and he does. Pomp and circumstances played in the arena. You know, the graduation song. Whatever. Macho Man is holding Crush's hand in the air. They go outside. They celebrate being friends again. Yay! Um, the crowd is happy. Everybody's happy. But just like the time Shawn Michaels betrayed Marty Jannetty, Crush chase his best friend side quest I may do an episode dedicated to betrayal okay back to action okay crush lariat clotheslines macho man turns heel and just attacks and then the worst part that could happen in this feud happens crush picks up macho man over his head and slams him on the guardrail which Randy Savage was supposed to land on his chest but for some reason, he bit his tongue. You can see blood coming out of his mouth for that. Yokozuna comes out. They get him to do the bonsai drop on Macho Man twice before being carried out. Macho Man didn't come back into Survivor Series in November of that year to compete in an eight-man elimination match alongside Razor Ramon, 1-2-3-Kid, and Marginetti against Diesel, IRS, Adam Bomb, and Rick Martel. Later that night, he would interfere in the main event and take out Crush and have him be eliminated via countout in his match. Okay, I'm telling you stories. Let's get to the actual show, which would run an hour long. You know, back then, they were all just an hour. We wouldn't be have to, like, be worried about two hours. or not three hours. 
Gary Lawler joins Vickers Man on commentary and laughs at the whole Macho Man incident and mocking the way he talks. Oh, yeah. First match of the night, of the day, I don't know what time you watched this. I watched it in the morning. It just felt like it was nighttime. People would come out nighttime for this show. Doink the Clown defeated Barry Horowitz. Who is Barry Horowitz, you ask? Um, it's a talent enhancement show. Superstars is what this is. Uh, talent enhancement, or as we all used to call them, jobbers, would come in, make the known wrestler look good. So here we have the known wrestler, Doink the Clown, defeating a jobber who was also known because, like, once you start seeing all these jobbers, you get to know their name. Barry Horowitz was one of them. Mike Sharp was another one. Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of them that you would end up getting to know. He's one of them. So, Doink just recently turned face, and this is a feud with Bam Bam Bigelow. Opening of the match, Horowitz tries to do a hockey move by pulling Doink's jacket over his head and tries to punch him twice. But Doink ducks both punches. Vince on commentary. Vince McMahon. Yes, he used to do commentary. Oh, his freaking... I remember when he used to do commentary all the time. Like, see, hearing him talk on here again, is like, now I remember. <laughs> what a maneuver! He's got a puke. No, that's not it. That was on something else. Uh, Vince on commentary says that he probably has x-ray vision, which... Oh, goodness. <laughs> This version of Doink is still the original guy under the mask, Matt Osborne. Continues to be in the WWF until December of 93 when he got let go. How do you let, how do you, um, let go of someone that's good, you know, on, as a wrestler, as this persona, as this gimmick? You let him go and then you have another person do the job. Uh... You'll see later. You'll hear something about something so freaking similar to this later. Anyway, uh, the match was short. Barry Horowitz continuing his losing streak, of course. They actually called these guys jobbers back in the day. <laughs> They're just called talent enhancement. Bring back the job squad. The one pay-per-view that Barry Horowitz is in ends up being Survivor Series as the Red Knight, part of Jerry Lawler's team, who didn't even show up that night. Which ended up being Shawn Michaels facing Bret Hart. Definitely check out episode 12 of the first season review of WrestleMania 9. We definitely go in depth about Doink the Clown and who's been under the mask. Doink is such a solid wrestler, but he has inner demons, which got him fired by the end of the year. He ends his match with a jumping whoopee cushion from the top rope. Is that what they used to call it? That's what I remember calling it. He jumps and sits on Haru's chest for the pin. As he makes his way towards the back, he stops to look at the Videotron and plays around with it, making it seem like we're seeing double. Oh, we are. The show goes to the production truck where Hall of Famer Gorilla Monsoon is standing by with a WWF magazine update. I used to have some of those. Um, side quest. I used to buy all the WWF magazines and had a collection of them as well as the posters that came inside. I used to make, take them to school and my friends would read them. I would read them. <laughs> Freaking, I, yeah, videotapes with ma wrestling matches, whatever, tape distribution, which we still need to do, 
we're going to do it one day, an episode on that. Uh, magazines, all kinds of stuff. Whatever there was that wrestling, related to wrestling, take it to school, share amongst your friends. We used to talk about that. We had a wrestling club. Come on, that was a wrestling. That was our discourse, school. <laughs> um, I knew a few of the girls that wanted those Shawn Michaels posters. And I gave them to them. Like there was one of, there was one of um, HBK back in the day with him and the Intercontinental Belt posing, all that other shit. This girl wanted it. I gave it to her. Like here, you can have it. I don't need it. She said, "Oh my gosh, thank you." That was a horrible imitation of that girl. You know, hope you're not listening. She was a grade, two grades above me. I made friends. I was social. Not anymore. Don't don't need any of those Shawn Michaels posters. I was more of a Bret Hart, a Digger, and Macho Man Randy Savage fan. <sighs> Once she found out I had posters of them, she attacked me. <laughs> okay, she wouldn't attack me. She wanted. She got in the group also with the whole wrestling talk, the whole wrestling discourse, and like that's how we became. All of us became friends. There was a massive group of people, and we all used to talk about this. We all used to bring magazines. We all used to bring the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Now, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine is still around. The WWF magazine, not so much. Um, okay, no more side quests. Back on action. We see the Survivor Series lineup on Thanksgiving Eve. The All-Americans original team consisting of the All-American Lex Luger, the Tonka and the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, taking on the Foreign Fanatics, Yokozuna, Ludwig Borga, and the Quebecers. Side note, y'all gonna hate this. Side note, Yokozuna is not is the only American in the Foreign Fanatics. Uh, Ludwig Borga is from Helsinki, Finland. The Quebecers are from Canada. Yokozuna supposed to be from Japan gimmick-wise, but he's really an American. Uh, yeah. So he's the only American in the Foreign Fanatics. Um, I said original lineup, because a week after this episode that I'm watching, Borga would face Tatanka and give him his first loss ever since debuting in 1991 and put him out of action. In his place would end up being The Undertaker, original dead man, way before the American badass gimmick. And the way they announced that was him coming out uh, via Lex Luger and the Steiner brothers saying they they need someone else, someone to you know ride with them. So Undertaker come out with the black um, robe and everything, still wearing all black, not. Uh, 93? Yeah, this was still way before the whole purple. This was still Gray Undertaker coming out. He opens his robe to reveal an American flag in his robe. Uh, rest in peace, all that stuff. And it was a big uh, pop for that one. Alright, back to action. The Foreign Fanatics do a promo week's before the pay-per-view, being represented by Jim Cornette, Master Fuji, and Raven as a manager named Johnny Polo. <sighs> Jim Cornette, man. Jim Cornette hasn't changed. 
he talks too much. Either in a promo or on a podcast. Most definitely on a podcast. Please stay away from podcasts. Don't ever listen to Jim Cornette. He spews a lot of things. He's like a way out of touch man. Uh, he hates things like Orange Cassidy or anything that has to do with funny stuff in wrestling. That, yeah. Back to action. <laughs> the other matches for Survivor Series 93 include the Hart Brothers, Bret Hart, Keith Hart, Bruce Hart, and Owen Hart, with Father Stu Hart in their corner, taking on the original lineup of Jerry the King Lawler and his knight. Again, I say original lineup, because Lawler ends up getting replaced in this match, and Shawn Michaels takes his place. The Knights end up being Jeff Gaylord as the Black Knight, Barry Horowitz as the Red Knight, as said before, and Greg the Hammer Valentine as the Blue Knight. Yes, Greg the Hammer Valentine. I couldn't believe that, although I'm going to have to go back and watch Survivor Series 93, uh, we're in November. We're in Survivor Series season. I'm going to go do that. I tried. You know, I'm doing that. <laughs> they were all covered in their faces with masks. So, um, yeah. I tried looking for the reason why Lawler was replaced and found out that, according to Wikipedia, in 1993, Lawler was indicted for sodomizing a 15-year-old girl. Yeah, oh boy. Which caused him to miss Survivor Series 93. Wow there. It, it really, I sh this is why you need to read the entire story. And I did. I stopped there and I just said, that's fucked up. And then I read the entire story. Before the case went to court, the girl admitted that she had made up part of her story, which was good enough for the charges to be dropped. Lawler soon later returned to WDF television with the matter never being brought up again. According to Brian Lawler, Jerry's son, the girl followed him to his hotel room. When the time came for it to go to court, the girl's story fell apart because it was just a ploy to make her boyfriend jealous. Once this information became known, all charges were dropped. How do you make a boyfriend jealous by saying that you slept with Jerry Lawler? That's really and really like yeah he did me there he touched me there and then you trying to make him jealous oh boy this, this was such a mess <laughs> this 93 was such a mess um charges were dropped and but the storyline between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler continued Anyway, so there's that. Uh, there's a Royal Rumble video game on Sega Genesis commercial to which takes me back to when I used to play that game all the time. Side quest. <laughs> oh, side quest. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're this. I don't know how long this episode's gonna be. Um, definitely had a bunch of friends over. We used to play. I had that little, um. Of course, there were two remotes. A friend brought in a, an extension where we can have four remotes. There were four of us playing. We used to freaking battle each other out. This was way before we ever thought WWE would make more video games. This was just like 
the blueprint. They used to love playing prior to Royal Rumble. There was WrestleMania, the arcade game on arcade. Um, WrestleMania on the Nintendo, but I didn't get any of. Those. I didn't play any of those. I was just like looking at people playing the WrestleMania arcade. My friends had Nintendo. I had Sega Genesis. I didn't get any of the games for the Super Nintendo. But I had a Sega Genesis. I was freaking on this game. Uh, Hulk Hogan was in it. There were... I mean, he... For some reason, Hulk Hogan was in it. And... Uh, like, he left? <laughs> He's been gone since June, but there's still... He's still in it. His image, everything about him is still there. Um, back to action. Nick... Wherever you are, if you're still listening. Thank you for requesting this one. I really do appreciate it. Uh, sir, you're going to you're gonna get compensated. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk again soon. Because I like where this was going. I like this episode already. It's bringing me back. It's taking me back. Bringing me back, taking me back. Cool. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! So we get right to the ring where Bastion Booger is facing another jobber who doesn't get an entrance, but Vince calls him Ray Roy or Roy Raymond, depending on what year this was. I looked him up. Ray Roy, Roy Raymond. He goes by many names. Uh, Mike Shaw, who in April was known as Friar Ferguson, but the WWF got a lot of heat from the Catholic Church that they scrapped that whole gimmick and came up with this, whatever this was. Please don't, if you're new, please don't look up Bastion Booger. I, I, please don't look up Bastion Booger. If you listen to me, you don't ever listen to me. But if you do ever listen to me, please don't look up Bastion Booger. <sighs> okay. Allegedly as punishment for his weight, given the ring name Bastion Booger in June 1993 with the gimmick of an unkempt, slovenly, and gluttonous man who wrestled in dingy, too small, gray beige singlets tailored to give him the appearance of a hunchback. <sighs> Why did I eat before I did this podcast? Now I am like trying not to think of this man again. I saw him in this match and I said, Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, crap. Okay. I'm good. His only WWF pay-per-view appearance came at Survivor Series when he teamed with Bam Bam Bigelow and the Head Shrinkers to take on Doink and his team of Doinks. Again, original lineup. Survivor Series 93 gets changed for everything. It's like an entire... You 
come in expecting one big match, one whole pay-per-view, one big pay-per-view that, you know, and it gets changed, the entire thing gets changed. Alright, so here, Bastion brought a brown bag with a Twinkie inside. Oh, goodness. Ate part of it and smothered it all over his face before the match. So you can see some of the white cream all over his face. I'm not... I'm just going to pretend I didn't just say that. I'm going to need another can of Zoa. He defeats Ray Roy. Roy Ray. Raymond Roy. Whatever this jobber was named. Nobody cares. I don't think anybody cared about this match. All they cared about is that this match is finally over with. Bastion sits on his face. I'm not calling him by his last name. Bastion sits on his face. Disgusting image. That's his pin. He does the pin. Disgusting image. You don't need to see it. Referee counts to three. And gets up. Poor Roy. Disgusting image. Oh, goodness. Bobby the Brain Heenan, used to the commentary, called that the trip to the Batcave. And I can see why. <laughs> Moving on, Bastion leaves and continues to smear his Twinkie all over his face. Disgusting image of face. Uh, Twinkie. You know, I'm just gonna denounce Twinkie for the rest of my life. I don't need it. Cream all over your f What? We're done. I'm done. I quit. Backstage news, I guess you can say. Joe Fowler sitting on a desk doing quizzes. Trying to quiz you. Okay, sure. Fowler used to be a sportscaster before joining the WWF. By 1985, he was one of the many people who took over the WWF Control Center when Lord Alfred Hayes retired. Here, he is analyzing tag team competition, naming all of them, and who has a chance at the WWF Tag Team Championship. One of them being the Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart Gunn. It's 1993 and Daddy Ass has a porn stash and is wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> oh, scissor me, Daddy Ass. Scissor me. With a... This, I, wow, the joke's right itself. Todd Pennegale hypes up the match for next week being Ludwig Borga taking on the Native American Tatanka. The beginning of the end. For me as a wrestling fan, I was excited. For me as a wrestling fan watching this match, I was excited. For me as a wrestling fan watching the ending of this match. <sighs> killed me. Broke my heart. I hated this match as a kid, as a wrestling fan. He gave Tatanka his first loss. We'll probably have to watch this match next after I do this podcast. But I was heartbroken. Tatanka, one of my favorite wrestlers, didn't even lose the, for for 91 to 93. WrestleMania 9, his match against HBK. We covered this in WrestleMania season. And, you know, I gave Tatanka high praise. I have given Tatanka high praise on this show. From being in a stable to one of the greatest stables in all of wrestling to being undefeated to being one of those guys that should have been WWF champion that never was. 
to being one of the most awesome heels ever. Tatanka deserved better. The unfortunate of this is that Borga was getting a huge push. And on his way there, Tatanka, he gave Tatanka his first loss. And then the guy gets his inj ankle injured in a match against Rick Steiner and quits. Okay, so think of this. Think of it this way. Think of it as Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker, WrestleMania 30. Brock Lesnar defeats Undertaker, kills the streak altogether. Yeah, he freaking wins. Massive push later, right? As soon as that happened, huge push. We get behind Brock Lesnar. He's untouchable, he's unstoppable. Ludwig Borga does this to Tatanka. Now, imagine if we're all sitting there hoping that Brock Lesnar becomes the new Undertaker. He moves on to world freaking dominant things, world champion, all that stuff. And a week, month after he defeats Undertaker, defeats the streak and everything, he gets his finger broken and he quits. You just defeated the Phenom. You just defeated the big, freaking, awesome, legendary Undertaker. And because you gave him a concussion. You gave him three F5s. You gave him a concussion. But now you're quitting because you broke your finger? Your pinky? Um, Sinkata. This happened to Sinkata once. The wrestler, uh, he got injured by Alberto Del Rio. His pinky, whatever, one finger broke, he quit. <laughs> but let's just say that happened to Brock Lesnar. Pinky break, he quit. This is what happened to Ludwig Borga and Tatanka. Uh, Tatanka gets his first loss by Ludwig Borga. And weeks later, Rick Steiner, Ludwig Borga, in a match. His angle gets injured. And quit. They were supposed to have another feud between Ludwig Borger and Tatanka. Best of three probably. But he quit. Tatanka comes back later on. Uh, nothing gets mentioned of it. But he just has his first loss. And from then on, his all momentum is gone. Back in the ring, Erwin Arshyster gets announced. Erwin Arshyster tells the ring announcer to shut up and comments on him being a cheater on his taxes. Erwin Arshyster gimmick is he works for the IRS. Erwin Arshyster, IRS. The guy has a heel gimmick of a tax auditor. We all hate the IRS, right? Name someone who likes the IRS. Nobody. So what does Vince McMahon do? He makes a gimmick out of the IRS. IRS, whose real name is Mike Rotonda, Bray Wyatt's father. Here he's facing Ken Garrison. Don't know much about Ken Garrison. And takes him out with a clothesline. No further information on the jobber at all. Couldn't find anything. Only that he just defeated. But 
they did speak heavily about the feud IRS was having with Razor Ramon that year, which started because him and his partner, Ted Biasi from Money Incorporated, were making fun of Razor for losing to the 123 Kid. Later, Razor and Kid would make fun of IRS for losing to a jobber at the time, PJ Walker, later known as Just Incredible in ECW. This would lead them having a Survivor Series match as well as taking Razor's gold away from him because of taxes. 90s gimmick were classic, man. Yeah, those were the classic. That's why I love the 90s. <laughs> Next match on the card, the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the Rock and the Royal Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson taking on Flex Armstrong and Richie Rich. Flex Armstrong, whose real name was Peter Sobieski Jr., unfortunately passed away in 2014. Richie Rich can't find his real name, but he did go on to become a wrestling promoter and had his own wrestling company in 2018 called Valley Pro Wrestling in Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express. Have I told you all the story that I met him? I don't think I have. Side quest! I was working at a casino as a buffet runner, and that would mean going from one end of the restaurant to the other, collecting cups and dirty plates, all that jazz. I would also take over for the servers that needed a break. I would break them. I would um, work on their tables, all that stuff. I would usually stop in front of the food station and talk to the cooks. Who one of them ended up being my friend. He's a friend of the podcast. He listens. Hey, Johnny, blah, blah, blah. I digress again. I'm standing there talking to him, and then I turn to look at this man coming towards me, probably trying to get his food from Johnny Station. He serves a mean prime rib. He used to serve a mean prime rib. That job got canceled during pandemic. Uh, this man continues to walk towards me, and I realize who he is at that exact moment. He's wearing the Rock and Roll Express t-shirt. He's an older man. His eye, um, never mind his eye. The point is that I recognize Robert Gibson and I tell Johnny, blah, 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 who it is. And he doesn't believe me until he sees him and stops at that exact station wanting a piece of that prime rib. Oh, that prime rib, man. That prime rib. Too bad that plays got canceled during the pandemic. And I'm geeking. Nobody in the restaurant knows who I'm talking about. I go from station to station saying, Robert Gibson's here. I'm a freaking wrestling nerd with a bunch of people that don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. These people are new. These people are young. I'm the only old freaking person there. Um, I take over for whoever's serving him and just chill in their station. Nothing creepy. Just bringing him drinks and disposing of his plates. No, not creepy at all. I'm being respectful to the guy. He's not sitting alone. Although I didn't recognize the other person. He was probably a wrestler. He looked like a wrestler. He looked like he could beat me up if I wanted to go up to them. Nothing creepy. Nothing creepy. I said respectful and I was. By the time he leaves, I go over and tell him to have a nice weekend and hope he wins. There was an indie show nearby. He says, thank you. He gives me the tip. Unfortunately, the tip is not mine to keep because I'm giving the server their break and taking over. Don't care. Worth it. I spoke 
to a wrestler. I had, uh, you know, I was back and forth doing all that stuff. And it wasn't even a convention nearby. It wasn't even a convention. It wasn't even a wrestling thing. It was a wrestler being himself, you know. I was being respectful. While I was in that vicinity area checking in on him, seeing if he needed anything else, uh, drinks or anything. He was good. Nobody bothered him. I didn't bother him. I was being respectful. I gave the server her tip. Uh, didn't matter to me if it wasn't for me. All that mattered to me was that I had a moment with this man, this legend, this Rock and Roll Express guy. Totally worth it. This match in particular here, never been this happy to say that I'm watching old matches in the WWF of a tag team that I respect and admire and met one of them. Although, Ricky Morton is on the bucket list one day. I'll promise, I promise I'll be respectful. I promise I won't be creepy. <laughs> uh, these two have been a tag team since 1980. They've been teaming just as long as I've been alive. And they defeated... I forgot who these people's names were. They've defeated Flex Armstrong and Richie Rich. Next match is Diesel, or as we all know him as, Kevin Nash. He defeated Ralph Mosca. I was really trying to pay attention to this match, and then Jerry Lawler savagely destroys Bret Hart's mom. He says, Survivor Series is in Boston, right? Whenever I think of Boston, I think of the Boston Tea Party. That's where they threw away all the teas overboard, right? And, you know, Vince McMahon is sitting there like, yeah, uh-huh, okay, where are you going with this? Here's the punchline. Jerry says, did you know that Helen Hart was one of the bags they threw over the boat? Proceeds to laugh. Proceeds to make fun of the Hart family. How can you pay attention to the match when you have Jerry Lawler doing commentary and making fun of the Hart family? Poking the bear, as one would say. From 1993 to when Bret Hart finally turned to heel in 1997, Jerry Lawler would have new jokes, savage jokes, about Bret's family, about the entire Hart family. Didn't matter. None of that mattered. All, everything was fair game. Everything. Even the children, even the kids, Bret's kids. Doesn't matter. All of them. All of which they were cool with. But we didn't know that at the time. They were funny. <laughs> uh, digress. Diesel takes out this Muska guy with ease. Knocking him out with his boot to the face. You can see the concussion on that move. Damn. His head snapped back and everything. Instead of hitting the powerbomb, he lifts him up. And hits the right fist to the face. We're all used to seeing the powerbomb. I'm used to seeing the powerbomb. But apparently here, he can just hit him with right fist, and that's it. Uh, you know, what? back when jobbers used to go out with one move. On that right fist is his black glove. So it worked. Diesel pins, and Diesel wins. Um, Mosca, whatever you do, just make sure you make Diesel look good. And this is right before Survivor Series. So he made him look good. Uh, back to action. Not even in action. It's an IcroPro commercial. Remember IcroPro? IcroPro stood for Integrated Conditioning Program. <laughs> it was around the WWF from 92 until 1995. 
what exactly was Icropro? It was a line bodybuilding supplement that WWF heavily promoted in the 1990s. They coincided with Vince's other failed project called the World Bodybuilding Federation, or WBF for short. And then the steroids trial happened, and they got rid of it. But Icopro continued on from that, and it just... it For some people, it was disgusting. <laughs> um, they were glad to get rid of it. So I never tasted it. I'm glad I never tasted it. But people said it was disgusting. I'll go with that. Another favorite commercial is the WWF Toys. Macho Man, Rick Martel, Hulk Hogan, still, for some reason. IRS, and what looks like Skinner in the very far back. Skinner's still around? All inside a toy ring. I wanted this when I was at that age, 12 years old. Instead, I get the rubber Rowdy Rowdy Piper that fits their butt in your thumb. Thank you, parents. I really needed that image. I really needed... I brought it to show and tell one day I'm sorry I shouldn't have this I understand the reason I got bullied now I ended up buying the same the ring and some toys in my adult life now still have them still keeping them never letting them go never letting someone else take it to show and tell ever another Survivor Series update Bam Bam Bigelow Bastion Booger and the Hedgehreaker Samu and Rikishi Fatu Against the four doinks, which was the original lineup, but changed on that night. When the four doinks ended up being the Bushwhackers, Cousin Luke Doink and Cousin Butch Doink. As well as Mabel Doink, Mo Doink, and Oscar Doink from Men on a Mission, Mom. Or in this case, when Heenan referred to them as Doinks on a Mission, Dom. Wow, they really didn't know what they were saying at the time. Uh, doesn't give an explanation as to why Doink, original Doink, um, decided to skip the show. Or was this, this was the original plan, but it was funny. Like, Doink's not doing the job, so, yeah. <laughs> a prank. It's a prank. I understand now. As an adult, I understand. As a kid, as a child, go listen, watching these pay-per-views... Why isn't Doink there? I wanted Doink there. I'm mad. Really? Kids wanted Doink. Kids ordered Survivor Series just for Doink? I don't think so. The other match that certainly changed was Mr. Perfect. Razor Ramon, 1-2-3-Kid, and Mario Giannetti taking on IRS. Adam Bomb, Rick Martel, and Diesel. In this case, Mr. Perfect had to bow out of this match due to the back injury he's had all year long. And Randy Savage takes his place. We don't see or hear from Mr. Perfect until WrestleMania 10 in March of 94 when he cost Lex Luger his WWF World Championship match. This whole pay-per-view changed, I'm telling you. But it changed for the better. Commercial of a girl at a bus stop getting harassed by a guy dressed up as different wrestlers. Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, Macho Man Randy Savage, Tatanka. Tatanka was the cringiest. Different times, I tell you. It's still cringy. Whatever. Um, I blame Vince. He doesn't know any better. The real Randy Savage appears and saves her, to which she looks into the camera, smiles, and says, Don't fall for cheap imitations. 
Fast forward to 1996 by those fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon gimmicks they had going. And the doinks. A week later, two weeks later, whatever. The doinks. That didn't age well. The main event of the night, of the day, whatever you want to call it. The Intercontinental Champion, Razor Ramon. If you haven't yet, episode 15, the first season. I do an hour dedication to the memory of Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Who passed away in March. Definitely giving me chills when I hear it again. Because some of the best stuff he's ever done in his career. And I still will never get over the fact that he gave the inter- real Intercontinental Championship. To a little boy with cancer on the Jerry Springer show. Highlight ever. If you ever have a highlight of him. That was it. Here on Superstars. He faces Tony DeVito. Yes. That Tony DeVito. Who in 1999 joined ECW as part of the Baldi's group. The Baldies consisted of the Who's That Guy and the you would know if you saw their faces. Except for one member who has done a good deal for himself in the past and lately. The Baldies were Angel Medina, PN News, who I just described as a walking hip-hop wrestler back in the Halloween Havoc episode. Vic Grimes, who faced New Jack uh, in ECW. A miscommunication call in that match that both landed on concrete and missed the table completely, which gave New Jack brain damage because of it. You can see more of that on New Jack's dark side of the ring. Moving on, another member of the Baldies was Red Dog, or as we come to know as Rodney Mack from the Ruthless Aggression era and Jazz's husband. And finally, the last member that we may know, and I don't ever talk ill about, Vito Lograsso, WWE tried to do a gimmick of him wearing a dress in all his matches. He loved the gimmick. Nothing wrong with the gimmick. He killed that gimmick. He owned that gimmick. WWE released him because he was getting over with that gimmick. What do you expect him to do? Now he's running a podcast of his own. So nothing but good things for the guy. We love him here. Let's end this episode with how the match went. Too much machismo in the room already. Tony Chimmel is seen here working, probably before he was an announcer. Here he takes care of Razor's gold necklaces and the icy title, which is also made of gold. Razor tells him, Chico, you take care of this gold, and you take care of that gold, and if something happens to them, I take care of you, Chico. <laughs> okay, not in that way. I, not in that voice either. But you get the drift. He sounded like Scarface. Okay, he proceeds to throw his toothpick at his face. You've seen this man wrestle before. Why don't you ever expect that? It's so refreshing watching Scott Hall wrestle again, especially when his when he's in his razor gimmick. The way he wrestles or the way he acts has never changed. Here, he takes care of DeVito in about a few minutes. It's the end of the show. It's the end of the night. Everybody wants to go home. Razor's Edge on the jobber. After he celebrates in the ring with his icy title, the opponents he's facing at Survivor Series come out. IRS, Rick Martel, Arlen Baum, and Diesel. They surround the ring, and then the crowd pops when it's the perfect. One, two, three, Kid and Marginetti show up. They surround the ring as well. They stand by their partner, Razor Ramon. They try, they send IRS, Rick Martel, Adam Baum, and Diesel back. Remember when um, one group and faced the other group and they had 
Survivor Series match, how they would have team names. Remember that? Um, case in point, the All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics. I I know they, they had one here for Perfect Kid, Marginetti, and Razor. They must have been the perfect something because Mr. Perfect always. Yeah, that should have been it. Or if it was Razor's team, I guess it was the bad guys versus whatever Diesel's team was. Anyway. I want to say the show ends here, but it doesn't. Joe Fowler reminds us there's one more match they want to announce. And it all started in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies, consisting of Dr. Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, challenged the Rock and Roll Express for the SMW Tag Team Championship at Survivor Series. <sighs> I left. I stopped it. I don't want to hear Jim Cornette's talk or speak. I especially didn't want to hear... Jimmy Del Rey talk either. Um, more on that in more episodes. Uh, he he did some shady ass shit and blamed Tatanka, basically. All right, one final promo from Ludwig Borga, threatening to end Tatanka's career. <sighs> Couldn't deal with that. Ludwig doesn't do himself any favor, especially with the fact that he had a good thing going and couldn't hack it with a heel injury. Tatanka should have never lost. Tatanka deserved better. He deserved that world title. He deserved that icy title. He deserved... He deserved so much better. But they did this. They put him in the... He became the top heel Late two years later. He became one of the top heels in a wrestling stable. But he still deserved better. He still should have taken that world title. Let me start with the worst part of the show. Baskin Booger and that trip to the Batcave. Again, don't look it up. Bringing back the disgusting image. I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. I know better. But I didn't want to end the show like this. It's the reason why I said this first. But moving right along, favorite part of the show, everything else. <laughs> the old commercials, the Rock and Roll Express, and that vivid memory of having to meet, having to meet Robert Gibson. Can't complain about meeting a wrestler. And of course, Jerry Lawler and those hard family jokes that would become a staple in his arsenal. It was a fun show. You can't rate this. You can't. I, I can't rate it. It's a talent enhancement show, and it's weeks before the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Nick Opelouski, if I'm saying your name, Nick, thank you for requesting this episode. If you have any more you would like me to do, go ahead and send me a message again. Instagram me or email me at fromundertheapron at gmail.com. I really appreciate it. You're getting some stickers pretty soon, my guy. You're, send me your address. We'll talk. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting some, you're getting from um, swag bag. Do kids say swag bag still? I don't know. You're getting some stuff from here. Uh, whoever sends me anything, messages, or requests like this of a show, I will send them some swag. I cannot believe I'm saying swag at this age. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> swag. I apologize. I'm going to name this episode the swag episode. <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. I'm going to go and celebrate the 2000 episode by just pointing at it like it was the WrestleMania sign. 
WrestleMania. I'm kidding. Uh, that should be the ending uh, song, too. I'm going to put it up there. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show and supporting us. You can find us on all other sort of social platforms at our Linktree. It will be in the show notes as linktree.com forward slash from under the apron. It has a link to our network, our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, socials, plus our good pod, Spotify, and iTunes account, where you can listen to us as well as leave us a comment or a five-star review. This helps other fans of wrestling podcasts find us um, quickly uh, or easy. I also added more streaming services where you can listen to us on whatever your preferred streaming platform is. Check us out on the Twitter account. We are very social there. And interact with a lot of other podcasters. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or concerns by email. It is from under the apron at gmail.com. And when I'll do my best to get to them and answer them accordingly, just like Nick Opalewski, I... Sending you something, my guy. Also, click on the link tree if you want to support our podcast. So far, we have a few supporters, and I'm making it a habit for those few supporters to know any updates I make with the podcast or new episodes. They're kind of like our VIP wrestling junkies. They get the over-the-guard rail treatment, if you will. They immediately know when our shows are posted or when the, we plan on recording. Don't forget to visit our merch. We've got some merch. We've got some merch. We've got some merch. We've got some merch. Go buy our merch. Go buy our merch. Go buy our merch. Go buy our merch. We've got some merch. Go buy our merch. We've got some merch. Go buy our merch. Buy yourself some stickers, a t-shirt, or a hoodie. We have coffee mugs, tumblers, magnets, and possibly more. This is phase one so far. I'm working really hard on making new content for phase two. And possibly by then, I'll have better theme music for the merch store. No, I'm keeping it. Keeping the merch song. (laughs) I love the merch song. I bet you'd love the merch song too. Anyway, thank you for listening and being a huge part of our community. Have a great weekend. I'm Ernie. So long and good night.